Excellent. Oh, Doctor, you are a shit stick. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 209 of the Bad Wolf Podcast. I'm Martin and joining me again this week is Sam Michael. Hello. And Chris Walker-Thompson. Hello. Oh, so you're my replacements, a dandy and a clown. So we're all enjoying a drink this evening. Yeah, yeah, it felt it felt right. Well, you, you two are. I'm having H2O from oh, Wiltshire's no. Filters. I know, boring. I'm, I've now become <laughs> the boring one of the group. That's rubbish. The healthy it? one. I think that next time we do a podcast, I might just get coked up or something. Just to make up for it. This is twice now I've not had a drink. Oh, well. So how are you guys doing? You yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Not not too bad. Yourself? Doing all right. I'm drinking a JD and Coke, and I'm currently on painkillers. So this could get very interesting. Oh, excellent. So this could be, before we know it, we're going from the three doctors to you needing three doctors. <laughs> <laughs> a dandy and a clown. Not one. Not two, but three doctors. This could be construed as an invasion. You dare threaten to destroy me? What do you think of this chap only Frankly, I thought he was somewhat confused. Yes, and I'm somewhat confused. Who's he? Me. Three of them. I didn't know when I was well off. So, The Three Doctors, how did you both first discover it? I think that was one of the last episodes I watched, actually, that was a multi-doctor story. Five Doctors were one of the first ones I ever watched getting it on VHS. But The Three Doctors I didn't watch till, till quite, quite a while later. I think I actually first watched it by downloading it illegally from LimeWire, of all places. You naughty boy. Um, I know. <laughs> if anything, it was one of the only clean videos I ever downloaded off LimeWire. <laughs> um, but you could, like, back in the day, if you had the, the, the broadband, you could get films off there of, of all sorts of uh, genres, obviously. <laughs> um, you could get full films. And one day I think I thought, oh, uh, I wonder if they've got Doctor Who on it. And this was to, re- to get the new series stuff. And this was must have been like 2005. So it was just after the first, it was during the first series. I think I downloaded like The End of the World and Rose only a few weeks after it had come out. And then I saw and then there were some classic episodes on there. I think I downloaded Destiny of the Daleks and... Uh, and the three doctors. So I, I seem to remember watching them on a on a PC. Very modern for two thousand five. So did you watch the the broadcasted one that was uh, uploaded, or because there was a leaked version? Oh, you mean when I downloaded Rose? No, I think it was just what was on the BBC. It was literally just someone had somehow recorded telly through there. Oh, um, right, yeah. Like downloads back then. Like these days, if you get an illegal download, so I'm told. Um, it will be a DVD rip or something like that. Or, you know, you get all these streaming services that naughty people use that we would definitely ever, never, ever use. But, uh, yeah, back then it, was, it just used to be, like, recorded straight from the um, uh, straight, straight from the telly. Because I know about a week beforehand there was a leaked version going around. My internet was far too time. slow to partake in that sort of stuff in 2005. And that's, and that's what he's sticking with when this goes to court. <laughs> <laughs> I think the internet was worse for when I watched um, Sharda or Shulka on the website. Mm. And uh. the, you'd have to, because, <laughs> because they would upload them as flash files, like every three to five minute bit, and it took about five minutes to load up as well. So you <laughs> had to stagnate how you watched it. Yeah, I think I heard that. I think I remember watching Swim with Shalka and it I think I gave up on it because it was that it would load scenes at each time. Yeah. I'm quite bored with it. Um but yeah, so that's how I watched Three Doctors. I think I downloaded it all four parts in um in one go. 
And what it would have been was, is it would have been someone who would have literally used some sort of digital device to have recorded the VHS onto digital and then uploaded it. So the DVD wasn't even out at the time, I don't think, when I watched it. No, it was a bit later, wasn't it? Well, The Three Doctors was uh, strange. I I think it was the... the second episode I watched, purely on the UK Gold, I joined in at sort of halfway through the Time Monster. Mm. Oh, right. So the next episode was um, Three Doctors, and I was confused as hell. I had no idea what was going on, really. I uh, didn't really understand why there were Three Doctors. But they also, on UK Gold, used to have, on the Friday nights, they used to have sort of about, about 11 o'clock, 10 or 11 o'clock or something like that. But anyway, after my bedtime, mm. I, I was only about 7 at the time my dad would record them when he got home from work and uh, watch them saturday mornings so there was like the aztecs on i was like well that's not the doctor that i saw on there <laughs> <laughs> oh, um and then there was all three of them in there and it didn't nothing clicked <laughs> yeah it must yeah, be I mean, really confusing mm. it is actually like it's um worth mentioning actually so this is the this is the i mean nowadays we're used to this aren't we i mean I, like i said to you guys Mm. This is the last multi-doctor story I ever, I ever, um, I ever watched. So you know, the, one of the first episodes I ever watched was the Five Doctors, and since then, obviously, we, we talked about Dimensions in Time a few episodes ago, uh, and we've seen, um, com- we've seen since then in the new series. Now they've done multi-doctor stories in in the um, Day of the Doctor, and we even had Time Crash, even though you know you. Some people argue whether that's canon or not. You know that that was a multi-doctor story. We've had them bump into each other, and I think nowadays it's kind of always mentioned every year or so. Oh, oh, oh you know, there's always a, a stupid rumour on Digital Spy or Radio mm. Times website or something saying, oh, Matt Smith might turn up in this episode yeah. or, or Peter Capaldi might turn up. And even in the first episode of Peter Capaldi's story, Matt Smith turned up. And mm. it was no, it wasn't jarring because it's been done so much now that, you, that they could, we wouldn't be surprised now if to push ratings, they'd go and whack David Tennant in an episode or they'd just pick up Matt Smith and put him in and have them bump into each other. It, uh, twice upon a time, now we're even picking other people yeah, to, yeah. Play, to play other doctors and bring them in. I mean, there's no there's no reason you could go and get Sean Pertwee and go, right, we're going to have the third doctor turn up you know, or anyone else, you know, and it's getting to that stage that it's so kind of, we accept it in the fandom and even it's kind of, a, a bit of a fantasy of one. I mean, even you, Chris, you, you've done your old your your own version with the uh, the Christmas story you did. Yeah, uh, we, we, did a, we also did uh, a first second one as well. Oh, yeah, you did, you did. That was um, the one that really really took off. Yeah, that was before Twelfth Day, and. Uh, it's uh, 10 minutes into this, well, a couple of minutes into this podcast, and we're already going to give it a plug. And even one of the most infamous fan fiction stories ever made, The Ten Doctors, oh, yeah. uh, by Stuart Humphreys, is making a comeback as a new yeah. remastered version. He's done a uh, George Lucas. He's bringing it back together. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing worse, is there, in those George Lucas films when he just goes and picks up like some new actor and drops them into a yeah. new version. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like they'll just like get get somebody in to do the voice or something. You know what? Uh, so, so isn't that awful when people do that? That's just awful. Anyway, so Chris, <laughs> I hear you're turning up in the in the new ten dollars. Yeah, I'll be doing. Um, I I don't think we're I don't think we're all going to have biggish parts really because it all has to fit into. Yeah. That's the thing Stuart Humphreys is really clever with is that he managed to link all these different things and immediately know he's got an eye for that sort of had to you know mix two images together and whatnot because yeah. uh, if i was watching i've got i have no idea how i'm gonna storyboard this and they're all clips from the show aren't they so they yeah. but it all like cleverly wrote a scope over 
I don't know, Tom Baker and then put him with Eccleston or something like that. And, mm. and it's really, you know, and he has that sort of thing of, well, actually, that's a great shot. That will link into that one. I, I just, he's, he's an absolute genius. It's um, mad, isn't it? Like the, yeah. the amount of time, I mean, he must have had to have watched it. And I mean, every episode again, maybe twice all the way through, just to have mm. made notes and gone, right, there's a scene there where, you know, Eccleston's got a white background. That could be him in the 80s TARDIS. And here's, uh, I mean, the, the fact when they were, the first one that came out, you know, you had them running around in the park. It just, just took different shots of them running around that. And the quarry scene with the Dalek is just brilliant. I think he's going to make some changes and whatnot. But yeah, so, but he's got us in to do, well, was quite a few of us. I was quite surprised to be on well, a big Chris list. Chris will be playing the fifth Doctor, of course, which you'll be <laughs> I'm doing the second. Uh, we've got John Guy-Law, who uh, played the first Doctor, he's done it a few times now he did it in day of the doctor he does the uh like the voice to the world cats or gallifrey here is this is the doctor he's got that uh that was him so uh he's in he's very good at it then you've got my uh, it's weird to say my good friend john colshaw Oh wow! He's playing Pertwee, yeah. and he's also playing the Brigadier. Nick Briggs is uh, doing Dalek voices for it. Oh wow! Who else have we got in there? We've got another impressionist friend of mine, John Carley, Jonathan Carley, who does an amazing War Doctor uh, voice as well, and he's doing a few, and he's got a few others in his repertoire as well. Peter Walsh doing uh, Nine, and the big one, which they announced recently, is because someone mentioned it. On Twitter, he says, "Well, what about all the other doctors? Oh in no, Morbius, in the Morbius. Chris, you're not supposed to tell the one playing Ben. This no. is the big announcement. <laughs> oh, you can't believe it. Oh God, Sam Michael is playing Ben. Uh, who? I mean, I don't know how much we can give away, but basically, he becomes a hero of the story. He basically <laughs> just kicks off and tells them all to go home. Philip Hinchcliffe is playing one of the doctors, as seen in one of the Morbius. Oh, <laughs> Philip at- Hinchcliffe." Philip Hinchcliffe, yeah, he just just recently announced that, yeah. It's well, uh, I mean, so that's so I was like, bloody hell, all right. <laughs> this is like a a big production now. I mean, this started off as kind of, um, I suppose, to begin with, it was a, a smallish project when it was done about ten years ago. But this this feels like a BBC level project. Do you know what I mean? Like it's big. And the thing is, all we're going to do is like, as Tony Stewart said, I'll, obviously I'll, I'll have more of a think of as I put it together what lines will be needed. But I think most of us are only going to be doing like the odd couple of lines each maybe but he's got a clever way of just mixing that with like two clips to make it sound like it's come from the same clip it's yeah yeah, so we were we'll see yeah but anyway if three doctors yes (laughs) so yeah i was gonna say but but these days it's so we're so used to it you know with all these multi-doctor stories but we're Mm. going straight back now to where it all started i suppose it's hard for us now to like i said you know I watched the three doctors, I reckon a good 15 years after I watched the five doctors. So it wasn't a big deal. If anything, there weren't enough doctors for me for a multi-doctor story. <laughs> I remember watching it expecting, which I'm sure we're going to get on into a bit, expecting to see all three of them. And obviously you, you get sort of a limited, limited bit of Hartnell. And now I, now we all realize the reason for that. And if anything, we're really lucky to have had Hartnell in it at all. But I wonder what the fandom was back then. What was the reaction? Cause you remember the reaction when day of the doctor came on. So I wonder what the, what the um, expectation was at the, time were people expecting to see companions were people did some people i wonder considering the show had been on for 10 years did they think this could have been a jump the shark moment or a stupid idea this idea was shot down a few times before by uh terence dix as he confirmed you know it was always one of those sort of those fan things that they said in all the fans kept going on about it you know and uh, we thought that was a bit, a bit ridiculous and then they did it they decided <laughs> you know what 10th year 
go on. <laughs> Wasn't Pertwee initially against it as well? He was a bit sort of cautious about it because he didn't want to be upstaged. Very, they're very territorial, the you know, uh, performers, um, you know, of, of, of that age and so on. They're the reason why they have such things as first billing, don't they? Yeah. You know, it's uh, because they just, um, you know, he says, well, this is my show. This is the, the spotlight's on me. I don't want my shot taken over by, by someone else. A lot of the doctors did that, didn't they? I, I think a lot of them. Especially, it was that very old school way of doing television or, or films is that you had your, you'd have your lead man, you'd have your leading lady, you'd have your supporting cast, you'd have your villain. Mm. It was a very sort of formatted way. And I think John Pertwee was a very traditionalist in entertainment and television. So I can imagine he would have been a little bit path. You know, you, we, we know the infamous story of how he kicked off when the master got a bigger picture in the um, Radio Times than him. And he got in the corner and you sort of think, well, imagine being told suddenly that you you are the lead, you are Doctor Who, but now you're going to have another Doctor Who come in <laughs> and they're going to be, they're not going to be your support and they are going to kind of just from nowhere be dropped back in as the lead character. Patrick Troughton was a bit sort of easygoing about things, so he wasn't too fussed. From what I've, uh, accounts I've read and whatnot, it seemed he did actually enjoy the time on there. But yeah, John Perry had a very much, I suppose it, it was his show, it was, he, he took great care of it from what I've uh, researched and heard. So he really sort of wanted to protect that and he thought, actually, you know, what I suppose what works, works. And he's a quite particular man. He's like, he's line learning, he has to be very precise. So he's got his, um, you know, uh, everything running smoothly. Everyone, he is the showman, the, the showman, and also everyone's mate. Because of the strangely, I mean, television. Uh, well, I wouldn't say strangely. Actually, I was going to say it's not as common these days, but it kind of is. Is that in ten years, a lot changes in production and values and things like that. I remember, Indeed. I remember, like I think David Tennant said that there's so much, there's more, looks like more money it goes into Doctor Who now than it did when he was on it. Yeah, he was surprised at um, how things are being run now uh, compared to when he was doing it, and so on and so. And John, I mean, there was only a space of what three, three, four years since Pat left. But they've moved to color. They do a lot more now. It, but yeah, John took it quite. Uh, I, th I don't think. I don't think he. I don't want to paint him as an arsehole because he wasn't. Mm. But he, um, he wasn't in any way. I think he was just a bit. There's that. There's that actor sort of threatened thing. It's like any actor probably will pick up a script and go, "Well, why have they got more lines than me?" You yeah. know that that sort of thing. And it's not necessarily a vain thing. It's just how actor. You know, actors oh, of a certain cool. generation do. And I, I wonder then from so. There's, there's various stories kind of um which i'm sure you know again we'll cover further down to do with you know patrick and uh, john and how that how they you know the dynamic of them and how it worked and how actually that relationship of the second and the third doctor got got taken all the way up to um and the fifth, the five doctors uh, but from the sense of the fans i kind of wonder what the feeling was there we're all too young to know and i i mm. wonder whether i don't know what our listeners are like on here i mean i imagine all our listeners are young teenage girls obviously what would it <laughs> but um I, I wonder if we got do you know um martin if we've got any uh, uh you know, older listeners who might oh, have actually we certainly do been yeah. viewers at the uh, who might have been viewers at the time maybe somebody can and get I imagine in touch if, and let us know yeah get in touch with us because i'd love i'd love to know that's one thing i've never known is what 
was the feeling about that my mum was a, a huge Doctor Who fan she's the person who got me into Doctor Who and she was a, a, her favourite Doctor was John Pertwee but she can't remember for the life of her I asked her the other day about the episode when Patrick Troughton came in and she remembers the Patrick Troughton episodes when she was very young and then when she was a little bit older kind of you know sort of 10, 11 years old was, was her John Pertwee when she was a big John Pertwee fan she can't remember for the life of her they're never coming together in the three Doctors so I'd love to know what the, the general feeling was these days we know with, with social media like I was saying earlier when the day the doctor came around it was this big well you know is, is uh, Eccleston going to be in it why is John Hurt in it what who is he um, what companions are going to turn up what's Ro- what's Rose's role going to be and I wonder if back then people were sort of I suppose it would have been the older fans um, would have been saying you know are we going to get Ian and Barbara are we going to see what happened to Susan you know the dialect's going to be in it I, I wonder what the, the feeling would have been like what do you guys think I don't know I think it'd still be quite fresh in people's minds especially around that point you know my parents exactly the same they can vaguely record john Purvis, but they he was their doctor now my dad remembers some of patrick trout it was amazing about that show is that tv shows don't tend to be on for that long for this sort of a doctor who was you know, and it was on for most of the year until John Pertwee as era, in which they cut down significantly. Yeah, um, it was because he was doing his DJ sets in Ibiza. I think it was a, uh, oh, what's it, who was it? The producer, Derek Sherwin. Uh, I think he insisted on it as well because he said it was stretching the schedule, was stretching the whole cast too thin. Probably was, yeah. Yeah, it's a really hard one to base without actually being there or hearing from them. But I reckon there must have been some excitement. The BBC certainly made a big deal of it. Yeah, I imagine. So it must be good. I mean, that Radio Times cover is iconic. The one of mm. the all three of them, and it's and it's quite nice. We one thing people forget actually. I think one of the highlights of of the three Doctors is that photo shoot because they that's the one time those three were actually together, wasn't it? They also did meet for another sort of photo shoot, which uh, was at the back end of Hartnell's one day of filming. Oh, okay. But um, there's some photos of they were in, uh, I'm not sure what, but what, where it was, in Ealing. People, I think a misconception of one of the myths was that it was in Hartnell's garden. Okay. But by the end of the day, they did have a photo shoot. I don't know if I've still got the uh, thing here, but I did actually have, if, I've, if I am sensible enough. Oh, yeah, I do. So I was doing a bit of research, actually, a while ago for a, for a project I won't discuss right now. I'll be, hmm, That's about the it. Ben Jackson Chronicles, <laughs> right? The Ben Jackson Chronicles, exactly. Ben Jackson Chronicles starring Sam. Ben, Ju- basically, it's, it's like a Clara situation. Ben Jackson gets spread across the entirety of the year, <laughs> of the 55 years and just uh, interacts with everyone. <laughs> can, we, can we make that? I'd love to recreate. We could do, you could play Matt Smith. We can play the moment when, you know, when Clara jumps into the skitham or whatever they call it and gets separated. Yeah. They should do that with Ben Jackson. You know, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he's like, you know, no, Ben, no. And he's like, I'm going, I'm going in. He goes, doctor, run you fucking mug. And then just jump. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Ben Jackson. And I've got one reason only. It's just him chasing the doctor, mugging him off. It'd be brilliant. This is big research. This is passed to me, but it's a sort of rundown of what the filming dates actually were for these bits. Yeah, so the the Radio Times photo shoot date sort of varies, but apparently it was like on October uh, tw- 1972. The actual day they filmed both Hartnell scenes mm. were, and also 
the dark side of my mind fight uh that was that day and then right at the very end of the day they did have or some point during the day it's just a time unknown pat troughton turned up to do a photo which is why actually if you see this photo he looks different he has a sort of a haircut and his sideburns trimmed that's what he has in this in the episode but for this photo is without it so he sort of just turned up from <laughs> from a previous gig or something yeah i've seen that picture I've just Google imaged it and I can see it. Yeah, it's yeah. like, like just got back from holiday as well. Yeah, and that's that's the one with all of them just standing there in the garden, isn't it? Or the gardenist. Yeah. All of the filming took place at that lime works. Uh, blah 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 blah. And then obviously they did the studio stuff, which yeah. So the photos doctors kind of marks the moment when the brigadier started to become a little bit dim. I was watching it the other day when a, when the series series ten box that came out on the blu-ray and i was watching it and i was like i've always loved this about the brigadier is that the fact that he has seen the most unbelievable things <laughs> he's even like straight from the off in spearhead from space puts liz shaw skeptical uh, skepticism uh to rest by saying he goes well i fought against yetis and cybermen did you know that we might be, there might be life out there somewhere and uh He's very open-minded, but yet, and then immediately it goes back to his visitor line, and he's seen all these things, Dalek, Axons, Autons, all these various things, but yet suddenly the doctor gets abducted by these uh, <laughs> big gelatin things and just says, oh, now you've really gone too far. It's <laughs> 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 like, he goes, your doctor, are you taking the piss? Come on, <laughs> you must be used to this by now. It's like the same reason I don't understand how Sergeant Benton kept his job. I just don't know. <laughs> or what the turnover was for the amount of like staff deaths in that place. Because they always say, don't they? They go, oh, you know, doctor. They always say, uh, oh, in the early series, unit was a very, very lovely little thing. It was a little family, lovely little family friendly kind of gang. And they kind of make it out like almost like it's Torchwood, you know, it's just, a, but it's literally they go out and then about 30 soldiers just die. <laughs> and then they kind of end it by all having a dance with some hippies or something, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's weird. But yeah, you're right. That's how I watched this as well, because obviously the, the Blu ray came out um, and uh, I, I watched it. And uh, the, I remember thinking the Brigadier's pissing me off in this story like he's useless in the story he kind of plays they've almost got him down as the role of you know when um it, these happened a lot on a sort of base under siege um so it could have been a clever reference to this but an example so the, the moon base um for example yeah. i've forgotten his name the main guy who runs the moon base the older guy is it hobbs yeah does one of them call him hobby or lovely yeah or something? yeah hobby yes yes lovey i swear one does. the french guy it was oh, one of my favorite characters of all time the french guy in that he yeah. cracks me up he's that sort of role do you know what i mean the brigadier in this it's kind of they turn up somewhere and there's someone in charge and he sort of bursts in and goes right stop that i'm in charge I'm in charge here. You're the doctor. You're an idiot. And I'm in charge. I'm in charge. And the doctor slowly sort of gets them around to being on his side. It's almost like the brigadier takes that position. And what? you were saying as well how he he kind of, you know, you've gone, he really have gone too far. And the thing that cracks me up in this story as well, and I only realised this when I watched it this time round, was that the... <laughs> Why is the doctor never let the brigadier in the TARDIS before? That's he's very in, true, yeah. He's going, oh, what? He's like, sorry, how long has he been there? You've never thought to just have a little look inside that. I love the way that all this time, that they've been going, oh, what's the doctor like then? You've just got this new guy. How's he getting on? And they're going, oh, yeah, you know, he's, he's all right. He's all right. And, uh, well done on the doctor, by the way. You know, you should you'd give him a pay rise. He saved the, uh, the the planet again this week. Yeah, yeah, smashing chap, smashing chap. He does have this box, though, that I... <laughs> I mean, never just thought to look at it what? and go, I just love to yeah, that's good. Well, I thought they had the sort of attitude of, well, the doctor's a genius. However, 
he keeps spending a lot of time in that cupboard of his. <laughs> they must <laughs> just think they just—they must think he's a lunatic. Just thinking, he just keeps going inside his cupboard, and they're like, because everyone who looks at it goes, "Oh come on, doctor, none of us are going to fit in there for God's yeah. sake." But yeah, in this episode alone, they all fit in, <laughs> and then they go, and they all like, they all quickly run in there, like they expect the cupboard was going to protect them. Exactly. And then, and, then, and then it, what their luck was when they found out, oh, it's a time machine. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're all right. <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, this isn't news to the Brigadier. Like, the Brigadier knows what the TARDIS is. Like, he knows that thing goes in space. He's seen it go a couple of times. He's at least seen him and Joe leaving it. Yeah. A few times, right? So has he thought the whole time that the Doctor and Joe have just been stood inside this cupboard <laughs> that for some reason can go to other places at different times? And he's just gone, yeah, they're just probably just like spooning in there or something. It's like, this, oh, it just makes no... A lot of this episode just, <laughs> just makes no sense. I do like the fact that the Brigadier does kind of go, oh, it's the old Doctor. Uh, and he sort of doesn't just accept, oh, it's a multi-doctor thing. He's gone, oh, you've, you've changed again. You've gone back. Why, why are you doing this? And I love the way Benton's just gone, oh, oh, it's just second doctor. Brilliant. How are you getting on? You're all right. Even at this point, it's like, the, he's talking about that if the third three doctors marks anything, it's the beginning of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. It is, is amazing, isn't it? It isn't until sort of the day of the doctor that they actually sort of address a sort of reason why the doctors can't remember them changing into each other. Because that was something I thought, he goes, hang on a minute, if I knew I was going to die, I'd go, hang on a minute, it's okay, I'm going to turn into this guy. Unless that's what they dread the most. They go, oh no. Oh no, I can't turn into him. I th- oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> And then John Pertwee's, you think you've got it tough. <laughs> You're right with the multi-doctor thing. That does make sense that the second they all go back to their own time, they forget whatever happened. And I like it. Even in Time Crash, they did the whole thing that if there's something wrong in the timey thing and you appear with them, your age as well, it'll be like, now oh, you're yeah. in his timeline. It's as if you never regenerated. That would explain why Patrick Troughton didn't sound like Patrick Troughton and sounded a bit more like Patrick Troughton as opposed to the second doctor sort of thing. Yeah, or, or, yeah. When, uh, or like why David Tennant can't fit in his suit in Day of the Doctor. <laughs> why his hair's not sticking up anymore. No, I've got uh, Broadchurch. I can't spite her up now. Because you're right, it was that sort of thing where you kind of thought, you know, the, the amount that the, the Tenth Doctor whinged about dying and mm. cried about it all the time. And then you suddenly thought, hang on a minute, he's just seen Matt Smith, he's, he gets on with him and he, and he fancies Clara a bit. He's thinking, I've landed on my feet here. This is great. I'm obviously over Rose, whoever she was, and I've got this <laughs> bit of totty with me. And then at the end when he goes, I'm not going to remember this, am I? I thought, ah, I'm glad you put that in. It's a nice touch. He explained a lot. Thanks to the Brigadier. It just, it just baffles me that he just seems to be so unwilling to believe what's happening <laughs> that's yeah. going on and he's seen a lot of crazy shit but no apparently he goes i don't know it's probably taking us up to some beach near norfolk <laughs> 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 uh, goes, yeah. yes the doctor's taking you up to a beach could it possibly be? uh, i mean honestly i think after about probably about three weeks into the job, especially uh, especially three years into the working with the Doctor, I might start to think, well, this could be an alien invasion. It could be a, a, a dimension I'm trapped in. You know, all these various things would be just apparent and obvious to me. Now I realise it. Maybe Hobbs was a bad example. I'll tell you who he reminds me of in this episode. He reminds me of the sergeant from Survival. Yeah. Not a blacked out, that's all. Been working yeah. too hard. It's like... 
You got into that yeah. level. You know, I didn't yeah. take the walk out there and I'm going to use a phone. And even Office, that would, surely that would have had a phone in it still. He's just got out of a police box that he doesn't think is a police box anymore. He's just got a police box. This is what cracks him up. He needs to f- make a phone call. He's just gotten out of a police box that it's just been revealed to him, can time travel, can fly, <laughs> and is big on the inside. And not at one point does he think it might have a serviceable phone in there. That's one thing I will say about your Hobbs and I've pity Hobbs actually I think there's a difference between his sort of character and the brigadier in that one with Hobbs he's run of the mill bloke he just you know does everything does his job turns up and then suddenly some bloke turns up with the with two or three of their mates one who's got a concussion and then they're going oh there's cybermen about us cybermen there have been cybermen for ages what are you talking about we've got a job to do thank you very much I would be pissed off until the point of the cybermen actually threatening me and go Actually, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moonbase is one of my favorite uh, Troughton stories. And mm. uh, you're right. He is that. I love the way that his attitude for it. You know, I've always explained how much I love that episode. For one, that Ben is just really offended that no one really wants them there. So he just says, oh, I just forget it and go home, which I'd like to see more companions doing. Just go, oh, do you know what? If they're going to be like that, we shouldn't bother. I, I really like that. But also, you're right with Hobbs. It is just this sort of, oh, we've got to got so much admin to do do you know what i mean like he's sort of like <laughs> even the moment i mean at the end they just sneak off because they yeah. get the the gravitron back and working again and then he's just like all right everyone back to work okay now that whatever that was is over let's get back on with it yeah. right yeah. come on we gotta get that gravitron back in functional and while uh, get on with it will you he goes all right, the way, hobby. He's got to be the first gay character in Doctor Who. He's Surely. French. It was just French. That's <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. Isn't How it? to piss half of one nation off in one go. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the way that, like, the, the ben, Benoit, the character, is just, he's, he's gay, but not only is he gay, and which is great to have, a, but he's, in my mind, he's the first gay character in Doctor Who. And he's also just full of sass. Like, you know, the way they all go, like, you've got to put the Gravitron back. Even Troughton, classically trained actor, can't say, you know, say say Gravitron as Troughton. Gravitron. See, right? It's good. It's nice. It's got bass to it. But it's nothing like the Benoit, who they go, oh, there's a problem. He goes, it must be the Gravitron. <laughs> how many times they blatantly hear him say that and go oh my god write him back into it so later on they're going out of control <laughs> they've got control of the graviton <laughs> it's amazing that's actually he's actually in uh pink panther uh sorry a shot in the dark is he forget the inspector's name but he plays his sort of deputy oh brilliant not seen that actually but uh, he's amazing that character mm. i think you know these early episodes we forget i've just got some great characters that at the time you took for granted but now when you see like how television works now you don't get as many kind of one-off great characters especially in, in in the new series of doctor who i really don't think they've got as many great one-off characters like they used to i mean nowadays it seems to be just they they try and i think this is the right thing to do i'll say this isn't me having a whinge about the new series because i know now it's so mainstream and it is so got to appeal to many different audiences when it sits on a saturday night or a sunday night these days if you've got kind of a spare character they'll kind of go well okay we've got a character here it's for it's for frank skinner so therefore we're going to write it to be for frank skinner or be ralph little so we'll write it to be like ralph little and they'll purposefully make this character to reflect 
how the audience like them. You know, when, when the audience yeah. see uh, Frank Skinner as a character, they, they won't remember the character's name. They'll say, oh, the Frank Skinner character. And yeah. I'm sure even now, casual viewers of um, Doctor Who will say, I love the Bradley Walsh character. They won't remember yeah. his name. They'll like him because he's a bit Cockney. He's a bit old school. He's a bit like he's on the chase. And I understand they do that. But that, but in these very, very early episodes, you do get these amazing little characters like Hobbs, like Benoit. Mm. And the Three Doctors has got it in a character that I feel bad that I've forgotten his name. Mr. Rollis? Yeah, they just write him in. I love Mr. Rollis because you know that he's got the arse ache when he gets back. <laughs> Yeah, he's, 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 you know perfectly well that he's white. You know he's white. He, he, he was kind of wishing eternity on that other dimension. Um, <laughs> yeah. He loathed his wife, and he's to be fair, his wife did a half nag. I mean, it, 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 it's the other. It's like the the only other equivalent I've got is in Spearhead, where uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> Sam's Sam uh, Sam Seely's uh, yeah. wife. Mrs. Seeley, who's just nagging, goes, I don't want that rusty box in my house. <laughs> and, yeah, and you're like, I pity this guy. And he just turns up and he says, where have you been? You, you haven't you got cold? You haven't been home? <laughs> and he just goes, you wouldn't believe me, love. Catalog. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a good end to a, a, a line. It's actually That's actually quite new who, that. like the, mm. To end on like a punchline. And it's just like you've got one of the most epic stories in years, Doctor. You've got a multi-doctor story. You've got you've got the the biggest badass Time Lord ever, who've never made a well, he's made one appearance since. But like you know, Omega is just, just such a crazy being. He's been in the middle of a black hole, and I love that he comes home, and it's great acting from him because the character is all the way through just kind of looks a bit annoyed that he's stuck there. <laughs> you know, when the two doctors are doing all that, well, yeah, we must be the third. Well, why don't you do that then? He's kind of in the background going, oh, dude, this is rubbish, you know. I could do without this, if I'm honest. You know, he, and he, yeah. you know, at the end, he kind of got, he's got his gun and he's kind of like, oh. And it's the first time when he approaches her, he sort of pauses for a minute and he sort of goes to say, I've just been to the end of the world. I've just lived an experience that no human will do. And he just sort of goes... Nah, he wouldn't believe me. And it's, <laughs> he goes, supper ready. It's brilliant. Like, it's such a good line. Shrugs it off and goes, well, that was a Wednesday. Talked about when he got inside. I bet she went on about a day, didn't she? I bet she nattered on when they got in. Well, I said to me, and he said to me, and she went to Lashley, but then I said to him, and he said to me, well, you shouldn't say that, should you? And he's thinking, I've been to a black hole. What have you got on that? Whatever you say, love, yeah. Reads his racing post and <laughs> have you not heard of Omega? He had no heads, he just did a helmet. I don't know how he kept it up. I, I, I think he honestly wouldn't be able to tell the story because he just didn't understand anything that happened. He was just like, Well, one thing I was here, next I was there, army chap there, two blokes arguing with themselves, and apparently <laughs> the same person, Azak <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a cape and a mask. We all walked through some steam and, you know, and we were chased by, you know, raspberry jellies. You know, I, I, just, <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you what happened today. All I know is that you wouldn't believe me. So back to the old grind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing about that character is, you know, that, that he's been on an amazing journey and he's learned nothing. Films and television. You need that because that's what you get. Even I mean, this is kind of a new series thing you 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 could kind of mention, but this happened in the old series as well. Is you got a side character who started off a bit ignorant, and by the end they become the most 
incredible just for one moment they were the most incredible human in the whole world the fate of the universe was in their hands for a minute and then they were brave and they put their life forward and you know there's always they've always done something or or they've come up come over something or they've learned something or they've had an experience that us the viewers can relate to and it's amazing and and, and this character you might not remember their name you might not remember the actor it might not have even been a famous actor but that journey they learned something and that is so much what Doctor Who is about. You know, can you just imagine Russell T. Davis sort of thing, you know, they, they go through these things and then they, uh, <laughs> they learn and they learn. And that is Doctor Who. That's Doctor Who, isn't it? It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's brilliant. You know, you imagine that and that is true, but it's amazing when you see a character go through something and they learn nothing. I love that he didn't care. Like you were saying, he didn't know what was going on. He's there going, well, you know, was, she was, uh, he was arguing with him and there was a flute in a box, but I don't know, there was a building or a, a police box turned up. I didn't, by that point, I'd given up. You know, he just went down the pub with his, like, caught up with the locals afterwards and just, uh, you know, he goes, you all right? Been up to much? No, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Going on to Omega, though, I think the performance behind a mask is incredible. I don't mm. think any there's any other character like it. Close second, I'd say, would be uh, Alan Bennion as uh, Sla. In Seeds of Death. Michael Wisher, of course, as well. <laughs> How could I forget Davron? Mm-hmm. But the fact that there is literally nothing other than a voice coming from Obrika. Yeah, I agree. Um, it reminds me a lot of that performance as well. Jeffrey Beavers, while well, we're naming people behind the, the mask as, uh, as the master. You know, that sort of... It looks a bit stupid if you look at it straight away. You know, it's kind of a very nice frock with a big metal helmet on it. Mm. But it's so seriously done quite a tragic character omega as well it's amazing actually the performance because it is vocal and also sort of the arms really you do end up actually feeling for him in the end yeah and it's incredible because the face is the gateway for most performances obviously the fact that you've carried off a voice not in audio but in video Mm. (laughs) you could just tell the emotion from how he talks and whatnot i like to think that over time he did actually have a more happier face on his mask and he just sort of turned it upside down (laughs) Unless he just sat there miserably and goes, My will! <laughs> he has got different masks with different expressions. I think he should have swapped them for out. So when he was angry, it was just, You <laughs> death! One minute. Put that one on. Hang on, how's he? He doesn't realise that he hasn't got a body. He's had a mirror there the whole fucking time. That's true. I've never understood that. He uh, takes off the helmet and he's like, and he, There's nothing left of you. And uh, he goes, <laughs> That is weird. And the first thing, do you know what? This proves how immature I am. The first thing I thought when I saw him do that, you know, and he realizes he didn't have a body, I thought, this Matt, this is um, this is when I, I thought Doctor Who, that's sometimes Doctor Who gets so unrealistic. And I thought, if you're a god like being and you are trapped in your own universe and you've got nothing to do, are you trying to tell me that at one point he thought about having a wank? <laughs> that's what it would have taken to realize he hasn't got a body anymore you know that would have been more realistic if you just suddenly saw him go under his little blouse and go i i might have a tommy tank and then just get there and go no there's nothing well, here anymore well i just think it was something like as simple as you know like if he has to scratch his head does he just scratch the helmet why well, am i scratching it and then takes it off ah <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, he felt great like there's no pains no kind of cracking that ne- never sneezed maybe you know never just yeah it's weird that he didn't realize that unless he was just like invisible unless to him it felt like being invisible yeah that must have been it so if they'd like put because i if, if they'd like 
got under his helmet, like if they put their hand through it, he might have hit something or he would have felt it maybe. It would have been like being a ghost maybe. That's it. I feel better now. Now I know Omega can wank, I feel a bit better. Imagine the things he conjures up. But he goes, it, it exists because I will it to exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> having a hand shandy for you. Yeah. <laughs> I want boobies. <laughs> I said, I'm not a I'm not a hero. I should have been a god. <laughs> so two things right there as well. You know when he fights Pertwee and he he, go, he turns into like sort of an evil I don't know what he turns into and has a fight with Pertwee. You know when that happened? Oh, you mean <laughs> the fight with Terry Walsh with John Pertwee <laughs> now again. Yeah. Oh, well, if he hasn't got a body, why can't he just do that? <laughs> I don't know. Do you know what I mean? He's like, oh, <laughs> Pertwee, go along well, on a minute. <laughs> oh, very convenient. Now you haven't got a body. The second thing, you were strangling me, mate, and you had this kind of slightly <laughs> racist-looking mask on. <laughs> and I thought that I was going to say something. And also, why didn't he fight the, a Troughton? If you're going to pick a fight... Yeah, pick on the little intelligent one. Forgot, pick on the little one, yeah. You'd have to pay me more to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was it. Terry Walsh just didn't want to get on his knees. When I had my laser eye surgery uh, about a month and a bit ago now, I couldn't see very well after about, still couldn't see for about in the second week. So I decided, you know, this is the time I'm going to watch some John Pertwee. And I thought it was great because what it worked, it helped really well because I couldn't quite make out if it was Terry Walsh or John Pertwee. Oh, that's all right. Then no, that works out. Yeah, because that, 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 those action scenes can be a bit ugh, jarring at times. One thing I do think is quite realistic, and I, I find myself sticking up a lot for, for the crap in Doctor Who, hence why we spent the whole episode of me defending Dimensions in Time. Now, the main thing, we haven't talked about it too much, but the one thing people kick off a lot about is the monsters. They say they're rubbish. Mm. You know, they're little blah, 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 blah. And they kind of, you know, wobble along. And um, they're, they're invincible, don't be wrong, but like they look a bit sort of you know, bubble wrap, just sort of over the top of it. But I genuinely think they make sense because you've got to remember Omega's gone mental at this point. You've got to think of him like a human stuck on his own for so long. Those monsters are like the best that a madman can come up with. He's just like he's a blob with a claw and they're invincible. Like that that actually is what a mad person's thing would look like. If he was sane, it would it would look like a Cyberman or it would look like, you know, a mask. But I love the point that like he's so gone in the head that that, that physical form or human forms almost like just, just left his memory. I, I actually I, think it's a really clever idea to have them. I mean, if anything, it, those monsters are the equivalent of a, of somebody stuck in a cell for life, who's got mad shit in their hand and threw it against the wall. <laughs> you know I mean? That is what they are. They're literally painting with your own shit. Like, they are like, I've got to create a monster. This is what my mad mind has come up with. I think that's quite clever. It also looks like the, the blob itself, doesn't it? The time bridge thing. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they looked at that and said, what effect can we do? Well, we can do this. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't mind those uh, things. For, for years, for a few years at least, I thought they were yetis when I was right. little, when I was little, just because I remember vi- vaguely the shape. And obviously, when I got to see things properly, I realised I'm an idiot. What do you guys make of Katie Manning? It's fine. Like, she, she, she kind of keeps her... I quite like seeing her talk to... 
to um, per, um to Troughton because I think that's one thing we've always wondered about and Big Finish have done this a couple of times of mix and matching the companions that works quite well I do kind of mm. like it when the idea mixed them up it was quite nice seeing David Tennant's Doctor with, with Clara because he kind of did that kind of flirty thing Matt Smith was kind of this kind of geeky he was a little less human than, than uh, well a lot less human really than Tennant's Doctor so it was kind of nice to see him watching trying to kind of keep that charm that the Tenth Doctor had that kind of flirtatious nature with her so it's nice to see Troughton with Joe who's just kind of like quite happy to see her you know he sort of goes it's a lovely moment he says uh, now I, I might call you Joe might I like it's really yeah. nice to see but I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that actually with, with Katie Manning the way that they interacted I would like to have seen them a bit like in the Five Doctors when you see Tegan go off with the First Doctor and things like yeah. that. I'd like to have seen them go off for a little bit to have a, a bit of time to see how she would have coped. Because had he not regenerated, he would have gone to Unit as the Second Doctor. And had Joe come along, would they have got on? What, mm. what would the dynamic have been like? I think, I would say, yeah, that Third Doctor does boss Joe around a little bit. Come along, Joe. Come along, Joe. Think Joe. Lateral thinking, Joe, and things like that. Whereas I think the Second Doctor would have just been like, maybe treated her a little like, bit like he did Polly. I accidentally turned the lights off on Katie Manning once. Did you? Yeah, it was at a phantom film. And then <laughs> fell into her. No, that it was at a phantom chestnut. film event. She was on stage, like being interviewed. And I leant against the wall, but I leant against a switch. And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Turn them back on. I did this not once, not twice, but three times. Brilliant. I just kept leaning against this light switch. But she came out over to me at the end and went, you know what? I work just as well in the dark and winked at me. Oh, brilliant. Aww. That's so Joe. I mean, uh, I heard recently uh, from the review of Death Boys told me when they worked with her, on, they did the, the Dot 2 Twitch live stream thing. And Katie Manning was on that. And they said it was great because it was the first time they'd met her. And they said she just bumbled in just like Joe, kind of knocked things over and, uh, you know, was was a little bit lovely, 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 but a bit a bit like she is in um, The Death of the Doctor, the Sarah Jane episode. Yeah. Mm. So how she's in that, she's just like that in real life. And I love that Joe is now, I mean, I, I don't want to guess how old Katie Manning is now, but I love that she hasn't changed at all. She's no, just like she was in the 70s. Her energy is unfathomable. She was at Hooverville, and I saw her again a big finish day. But Hooverville, when I probably got to meet her and whatnot, I was knackered, and all we did was walk up some stairs. But she's just so, so energetic, and uh, she... Yeah, he goes, oh, darling, darling, you know, sort of things like that. She's she's one of the great positive beacons uh, this show has ever produced. The fandom do not deserve her. That's my view. I agree. She's, I mean, we were talking, obviously, about, I think we've all watched The Three Doctors recently due to the Blu-ray that's been released. One of the highlights of these Blu-ray series I've loved is the um, Behind the Sofa series. I mean, I love them. And she's on there. Uh, so I'm going to sound really awful now that I've just, it's just... Um, John uh, Levine is it Michael Sergeant Benton and Captain Yates so Mike R- Yates, Richard sorry. Franklin Richard Franklin yeah and there's all three of them on there and again I mean these guys are they must be what mid 70s now early 70s I think they are in the 70s now yeah they're brilliant like all three of them are absolutely fantastic they remember everything like their brains are so on the ball and they just look full of life there's no way looking at them you know i had i had to google when i was when i was watching it how old they are and obviously they're talking through you know for this example we'll talk about when they were talking through the three doctors it's amazing how much they remember they know every actor's name 
even though they only appeared in one episode, they remember things that happened on the set. They remember the director. They remember Malcolm Hulk. They remember what he was like. They remember the, the, the read through. They remember the outtakes. They remember a particular scene. They remember where they were. And I just think this is just so, like you were saying, we don't deserve, we don't deserve a lot of the cast that we've had in Doctor Who over the years. It's mm. amazing to see them all just still caring about the show so much. There's not mm. really any companions or people who appeared in the series, new and old, who went, oh, oh, that was a thing I did and I don't care about it and I hate it and I'm never going to talk about it again. You know, they've always in one way or another come back to it. And it's amazing seeing these three talk. And they, you've got to think, they're talking about a show that happened in the early 70s. And they're still today, like they are, you know. Yeah, they look a bit greyer, they look a bit older, but 40-odd years on, 45 years on, they they are just so much... I felt like I'm still watching Benton, you know, flirt with Joe and her kind of doing the D's thing with Mike Yates. It's brilliant. It, I love it. I love those those people. And that's one thing I'll say is that with the three Doctors, you're right in the middle of that wonderful cast. who are still mm. brilliant today. Listen to Unit Assembled by Big Finish. It is outstanding. I was going to say that, actually. Uh, yeah, it yeah. integrates the classic unit with the modern day unit, and it does right. it so well. It is incredible. My only complaint is that it's too short. Yeah, I want a whole series of those. The last one, they all come together, but the first one, you've got Mike Yates uh, turning up to Benton's sort of uh, reunion at his pub that he owns now, and he's retired, and then <sighs> Kate and Odds good uh crash that de- uh, hit, hit it to uh because of uh, the silurian attack hunting them down so they get pulled into the throat into the fray you've got the second one which is just which is joe grant with uh osgood on a submarine together can't remember the third the third one doesn't have them at all fourth one they have them all in there and my so my only criticism is could have been longer i really just want more of all of them together because it was such a really good good thing I remember for a long time I wanted them to come back, the original. So I always thought there was always an opportunity, especially when they brought Unit back, to have dropped them in somewhere. This was going back a bit, obviously, you'll see for the obvious reason. Because um, I always wanted to see Nicholas Courtney come back as the Brigadier. I always felt there was one more. There's a nice scene where he's in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. And it's it's nice to see him again, but you can see that he's really struggling with the lines. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? He was very ill at this point. I think he passed away only a few months later. But... I always, because I always wanted, um, and this was again in like this, when around them when the master came back as John Sim, I always thought it'd be such a nice ending to the master's story to have him captured by the original unit lot, like when he's <laughs> old. So, so imagine a young master being caught by old you like one last job and it's done on such a simple term. Like he gets into a taxi and Benton just happens to be in the passenger seat waiting for him. You know, something really like, would be really nice. The Brigadier's last stand was just to capture the master. It would have been so nice. And do you know what? That did kind of happen, but in the most horrific way possible, <laughs> when Missy was shot by a cyber Brigadier thing. Just be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Awful. Terrible. But I love the thought of that Cyberman walking up to uh, the Doctor um, at that point and going full three Doctors and going... You know, sort of, go, I, I can't do a sideman voice, but, you know, just sort of go around and go, well, Doctor, you've really gone one step too far. I'm not accepting that he's a sideman. We're probably in, Nor- in Norwich somewhere. Do you know what well, I mean? If, if I pinch, if pinch my nose, I could probably, oh, no, they're different voices now. Yeah, but the, uh, yeah. You, could... you have gone too far this time, Doctor. Yeah. Yes, well, I think now is the time where uh, we reach a new feature 
for the for the show. And this <laughs> is where I, I pick a new feature every week, which is going to stay regular. Where that's let's get through all the Cybermen voices together. Can we all do Cybermen voices, Chris? Of course, you are the advantage here. Let's get through some Cyberman voices. Again, we'll come back to the three doctors, but uh, <laughs> let's start with the first one. So the first, the, the Mondasian Cybermen. We can do whatever we desire. That's good. That's very good. But that's without any modu- Martin, you'll go. Well, I can edit this to make me sound like I'm really <laughs> professional, but <laughs> we are the Cybermen. They are. That's the new series one. <laughs> Um, I'm going to try doing what we were talking about last time with the, I'm going to take off my microphone thing and I'm going to talk around the microphone to see if I can sound like a 60 Cyberman. I will mention it was like a sort of a power thing going into the throat, <laughs> into the mouth. Well, uh, I think you're, uh, uh you this is a power thing coming from Sam, the power Michael. Okay. So, uh, it will, uh, I think you'll find it sounds just like this. <laughs> I think that's very good. Perfect. I think that's pretty right, perfect, right, right. wasn't it? We will as a boy. Yeah, then you've got the other, the next voice, which is uh, the one that looks like he's like lost the argument. He goes, Others are coming. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got the most ridiculous voices, which is where they just end up going, Russ. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> there, there are two voices in the invasion. One of them, the, he goes, You understand your instructions? And then they just go, Ruff. they've got a really weird, <laughs> really high pitch. Well, uh, they, they don't really say anything. He goes, Ruff. but then you have got the cyber planner. He goes, the cyber Megatron bomb will be delivered. Something like that. Yeah, they sound a bit burpy as well. They're a bit like, just... but, the, but then for some reason, all of the individual Cybermen's have the side. When they die, it's quite frightening. You've got this. <laughs> but when they talk, they go, Ruff. <laughs> <laughs> um and then you've got the the kind of the ones from the uh revenge of the Cybermen. who just sort of sound like they've got a helmet on we will attempt the attack on volga you big dick again doctor and then you have the excellent cyber leader what you've got there is we've nailed them all because you've got the main one you've got the um uh you know the the, the cyber controller and then there's he's, people forget he's got his, like his two little friends but then there's this paranoid side man who's just going it's too soon leader he's just <laughs> panicking <laughs> What I've always loved about the Cybermen is that it, the, the Earthshock ones is that the Cyber Lieutenant, I've always thought this, he just looks at him like uh, he loves, he's like Mr. Smithers in The Simpsons. Yeah. He, he's got a love for the leader, but the leader just doesn't show it back. And, he's got, <laughs> and you've got this amazing voice from the Cyber Leader where, you know, we will eradicate them. And it's such a really impressive voice and powerful. Yeah. And then his subordinate just goes, Yes, leader. Such a contrasting voice. I'm smarter <laughs> than the average Cyberman. Non, you know, emotional. And then you've got the Cyberlies just having a great day. Excellent. Oh, Doctor, you are a shit stick. <laughs> <laughs> Did they drop the whole emotions thing? With, no, yeah, with the best bit is when he's quite clearly pissed <laughs> off. Especially when he just turns and goes, "You will die for this, Doctor." <laughs> oh, when he gets a bit, he gets a bit like smutty. <laughs> the best bit is when he goes because it's all a bit like they have that really good line when it's like, for, you know, uh, the, for some emotions are what life is all about. When's the last time you slipped a disc up the bottom when you had a wank? When's the last <laughs> time you had a cheeky look on Instagram at the ladies you shouldn't look at? When's it, you know, it does, I, I can't remember the the the, the lines. 
Sure. <laughs> he does that, that sort of line, and then he goes, These he does that <laughs> And he goes, kill her. And it's a great line. It sort of proves his point. And, he, you know, he's saying oh, that yeah. emotions weak. So, and he goes, you don't consider it a weakness, isn't it? And he just turns back and goes, so would you say it is a weakness? <laughs> so three doctors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Talk about the three doctors. Would you recommend this to people? Yeah, I would do, actually. Only to classic fans, though. Uh, like if people were giving it a chance, I'd say it's a good one to check out. It also saves you watching <laughs> many episodes. If you're trying to, if you're trying to do a marathon in time for something, you know, or a new doctor or anything, it does save time if you just watch the multi doctor specials. It's a good story. I think it's a really fun one, and it is what I do also love about it. And it's something that's quite not easily done here. Since Day of the Doctor, it's always been about the fiftieth. Um, they just haven't let go of that sort of nostalgic hype, in my opinion, until. Series, 11, uh, series 11 came around in which case they decided to do it on based on fuck all but anyway the thing about three doctors is it's almost forgotten the next week the, when they it's back yeah. to normal it just fits in it's a great special to celebrate 10 years but it then it just soldiers on yeah but that is what I, uh, I do like about it i like it. it's such a really really lovely tribute a lovely anniversary special which uh, technically wasn't actually uh, shown <laughs> on the anniversary, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> it got on with it afterwards. It was a nice tribute, and then it then it got back to, back to what it was, and that's that's really what they should be doing now. I would um, say it's definitely worth watching because it is actually quite a key moment in the, the overall story of Doctor. It's where his um, obviously he's been exiled to Earth, which is the whole purpose of, and this is it being lifted. The whole series changes after this, you know. It we kind of don't see Unit anymore, and it's, that's that's why I think it's a bit of a shame this story because we we were joking earlier, but genuinely the the um the Brigadier character does annoy me in this. Uh, he he genuinely is just a bit stupid, and considering everything he's been through, he should be a little bit better in this. And I think maybe there should have been one more Unit story after this, like you were saying, to kind of come to terms with what had happened with, with meeting Omega and everything. And also the fact that it's Omega feels like it should be a bit of a bigger deal. It's a really nice idea. And and I'm probably being harsh because it was constrained by a 1972 BBC budget. I think the idea was a lot grander than we got. You know, but at the end of the day, you could have done the story of the Day of the Doctor in 1970 and it, w- it could have been fine. The story would have been there, but the budget obviously wouldn't have made it such a big deal. The Time War would have looked like a couple of people fighting in a corridor but but it is uh it's it's certainly an important story it's quite nice seeing them them lift the uh the, the exile from the doctor and obviously next week was the carnival of monsters after this so it's a drastic change but it's a shame that it's the last time for a while you see the mm. do, uh, the, you know the unit family you know they just kind of patter off and i think actually the on that respect like I said, it's definitely worth watching it is quite a selling point you also get um two things i definitely want to mention up in my notes uh, which is that this is the third time we see i suppose you could say second time properly but the third time technically we see the time lords again and we get a little bit more mm. information about the time lords and i think this is quite a nice view of the time lords we get at this point um i like that it's because i struggle with with the time lords overall um because yeah. they it was a big risk what they did with Doctor Who because they start off that the Time Lords or as they're originally known, the Doctor's people who had a knowledge of time or whatever, they mm. they they work really well as these mysterious beings who you don't ever really know. And I feel like we, especially in the eighties, knew too much about them and they weren't very impressive. In, in the war games, they are terrifying. They are just insane in the war games. I love 
Yeah. I mean, like I, th- I was telling you guys, I only in this year watched the War Games for the first time, and I couldn't believe how good the Time Lords were. Because to me, I, my main memory of the Time Lords is them being a kind of parody of the 80s government, you know, kind of getting Chancellor Flavia to act a bit like Maggie Thatcher. You know, the, in the 80s, you think about the, the Ark of Infinity, a fine story. I quite enjoy it. But the fact that the whole of Gallifrey, which bear in mind is supposed to be a planet bigger than, you know, Earth, yeah. it's just kind of a canteen. <laughs> you know, a, 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 a very bright canteen. And it's all a bit... You know, it's a bit naff, and I remember, like, you know, I wish they'd try and paint a bigger picture with Gallifrey. And I like the fact that in the war games, they're so mysterious. I mean, the idea that they're the idea of them putting things right is literally just, you know, when they're running to the TARDIS and everything yeah. goes slow motion. That that's how I imagine it. You yeah. know, I, and I want to see that in the new series. The Time Lords fixing something should be so scary that you don't even see them doing it. Just suddenly yeah. time changes and then people disappear and you get stuck and you literally can't move and the laws of physics just go. I think that's so good. And I like that the that when this thing this big thing's going wrong, it isn't like all the time lords are fussing about it. There isn't this kind of crappy little meeting of the High Council, which is just kind of five jobbing actors wearing silly hats. It is just kind of it's taking place in this one room between three people. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like it's almost like you feel like this is this is something we don't know about. A bit like something that it, on Earth terms is like something like that incident that happened during the Cold War when there was nearly all out war. And it just happened between five people and they dealt with it. I like the idea that the the the, um, the High Council didn't really know about it. I like the idea that the president really didn't know about it. It was kind of this His Excellency, whoever he is, and a few of these tech guys kind of secretly going, right, okay, we're we're in shit here. We need to sort this out, right? What we going to do we can't move we can't get out of it we need to keep this this quiet let's just put another doctor in but that's breaking the law i don't care let's just do it put another doctor in i like that sort of thing because i always got a struggle with how the doctor's viewed on gallifrey because um you know in some respects he's this kind of you know in the early days he was seen this kind of he was just a guy who went to a school on a planet and he was a bit he was a bit thick and he, he was a bit of a traveler and he just left he kind of bunked off school and he went he learned a bit about time travel he doesn't know much about it hence why he never ends up where he needs to be and he, and he, and he went and then in this in the in the sort of later in the in the classic series he's cut suddenly the president he's the president for a bit and he's seen as this kind of, he's almost, he's in with the establishment then. I don't like that. You know, I, I kind of like to imagine that comparing it to Earth terms, he's kind of Gallifrey's equivalent of like um, Che Guevara or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I imagine that, that half Gallifrey think he's this kind of icon. Think, you know, they kind of look to him. And then, you know, that's the kind of thing. I want to know the effect the Doctor has on the planet Gallifrey. Do they see him as this kind of, and I hated what they did, obviously. And it's been done to death what they did in um you know, uh, at the end of series nine. And I kind of just want to wipe that off because I hate the idea of the doctor just turning up, going off to a desert. And then before, you know, he can just walk in and get rid of the high council. That's not what the time Lords are. Look how much power the time Lords have on the doctor. They just have him like so much power over him. And that's how it should be. And I like at this stage, they are still like that in the three doctors. You do still feel like that. He hates the Time Lords. He hates what they've done to him, but he still has to do what they tell him to do because they still have that much power to say, no, you need to sort this out. You need to go and sort this out. I'm sending you another doctor and you need to help us. And I, I like that respect to it. So from Time Lord mythology-wise, it's it's worth watching for that as well. And the, the actual studio where they film is amazing. Like that Time Lord centre thing's cool. If you see, they've got these weird windy monitors that kind of go around each other in like tubes. Really impressive. And there's just... 
there's very alien. It feels very alien. It's all kind of um, you know, papers are round. <laughs> it's, the the coordinates look weird, and the I know it's again it, it's constrained by budget, but for the time, the the, the Gallifrey looks really really cool what they're doing and i think it is a shame that uh, like i was saying it, it's a shame of what the time lords came became later on but i think it is quite um it is quite good in that respect and you do get the history of omega and things like which is a, which is a good story i think it doesn't always matter about the budget it doesn't always matter matter about the actors or how it's done in the classic series if you've got a good story and a good idea with the time lords i like it and the idea of omega how him and rassalon created time travel how he got stuck in a black hole i think it's really impressive what you said <laughs> there's no point of breath in there you're never going to edit that down are you no it wasn't it was it's just a thing i've read this is my one problem with doc two i think it's the one thing where i oh, here we go argue against it is that it's just I don't feel like they ever got a grasp of how Time Lords work. You know, one minute they're kind of these snooty councillors. One minute they're a conservative council in space. The next minute they're gods. The next minute they're just old people. The next minute they can kill you by pointing a uh, thing at you, uh, you know, a glove. Uh, it's just it's bizarre. They're very they're very strange. The regeneration thing that's never been properly um, explained. You know, how how does it work? How, how does a world where you just change into another gender, into another into another personality work? It's never been properly explored. It's just, we're just told it happened. But I'd I'd love to. I think it was um, Gary Russell who wrote a series on Gallifrey, which I need to check out. I don't know if you guys have seen it for Big Finish. Oh, sorry, listen to it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. So I wonder if, because I spoke to him when I did the We Are Cult event, and I and I uh, sort of said that. I said, you know, I never felt like, I said, I really need to listen to your series because I never felt like whenever the old series went to Gallifrey, and even now the new series, sadly, it's just a bit like, oh, is that it? It's, you know, it's... Apparently they are very good. I've not actually heard them myself. I think once I start, I'll probably get into it. Mm. I think it is just like you say, they are actually sort of an eye-rolling thing at the moment i think yeah. so it's that that sort of thing does put me off listening to him but, but anyway back to three doctors isn't one of the time lords one of the he he was in the war games as one of them wasn't he yeah i love that that's so i didn't i didn't level, know that yeah. until watching the blu-ray i was like oh yeah <laughs> and i like that because in my head he's he's kind of feels a bit responsible you know what i mean in my head i like the idea that that Time Lord was one of the people who sent him down there, so he thinks, well, if he's if he's in trouble, I could probably sort this out. Like, you I must feel... be you must be joking. We sent him down there. <laughs> but your excellency, we have to do something. And oh, I like all right, but on your head, be it. <laughs> yeah, and I I like that. It's, I love the beardy man, the tech, the tech guy. They, that's looking into the future. Um, the tech guy's doing all the wizard stuff. He looks like your typical IT guy. If you work in any business, he looks like your IT guy. So I love the fact that they're kind of the kind of pompous kind of middle management guys going, right, we need to start a black hole. Let's get this this developer to do it. And the developer is just this beardy kind of hippie looking bloke. I kind of would like them to just turn him to turn around after like trying to fit Windows 10 or something. <laughs> and says, well, I'm trying. But it doesn't look like it's going to work. Glum, 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 glum. Just that way through. Tell um, you what, try and find the previous incarnation. What, Windows 9? No, 8. There's an interesting scene as well where they're talking, which I forgot about, when they're talking to the First Doctor. Yeah. And he's and the First Doctor's speaking to them very differently to how he talks about anyone else. There's a kind of respect to them, which I, again, just keeps that 
idea of how powerful the time lords are quite nice i think the first doctor knows he's stuck and he kind of knows they're the only ones who are going to get me out of this so i have to kind of be quite nice to them so that that's that's uh that that's that's quite a nice idea i was going to say as well in regards to something we haven't mentioned too much is the is the absence of the first doctor and i suppose had all gone to plan and because originally they approached william hartnell when you know quote unquote he was very ill at the time and whoever approached him apparently approached him on a good day um and he was apparently very excited and said i'm coming back i'm gonna come and do it i'm gonna come and be the doctor again it'd be great had that that happened i wonder what the original script would have looked like having all three of them there i did think yeah i did have a think about it because it was a time i was going to do uh, something but i never got around to doing it and we were going to do like a sort of reimagining of that one scene because originally it went through a few drafts one that hartnell uh, was in it full uh, the other was when they found out they couldn't do it, so he said they went back to him and said, "Well, what if we just put him to the studio then, leave him in the so he's only just in the TARDIS scenes. Uh, he won't venture out on the quarry. He'll just do the TARDIS scenes, and that'll be easy for him." And then Heather Hartnell would just put, said, uh, "No," <laughs> and then they did end up with the with the uh, time Eddie. Yeah, because she phoned Barry Letts and went, "Bill seems to think he's doing more Doctor Who. What's going on?" The thing is, I feel sorry for Hartnell in that because he did want to do it and apparently yeah. he really uh did enjoy doing that one day it was nice because there was the one thing that obviously he really passionately loved doctor who when he did it and he was so upset to leave you know and uh be told well to be told he had to leave and you know to do that one thing and being in it in some way and, and i think he i suppose it's like i, I don't know he, he, when I can't imagine what it would be like. I suppose it would be if you were you were dying and you were told you could not do these things again and someone gave you that chance to do it in a little way. You know, it must have really perked him up a bit. I yeah, think. I, I think you're right. And I, I think actually that changed the role of the first Doctor forever, that scene. I think this is something I noticed. I don't imagine that the way they wrote the first Doctor in The Three Doctors would have been like that at all had all three of them been healthy and fit and in there together i think it would have been a lot more arguing between them i think they would have had the first doctor kicking off at the second i would think they would have had the third doctor talking down to the first doctor i think there would have been a big clash of all three of them but i think what they did out of respect for hartnell probably knowing he might have been on the way out at this point and knowing what strings they had to pull to get him in there i think they purposefully put the first doctor on a pedestal do you know what i mean i think yeah. that was purely out of respect for hartnell the way that those two just instantly don't get on and there's no shot he's not surprised to see the second doctor he's not happy to see the second doctor if anything the second doctor's kind of snidey about meeting the third doctor they're deliberately trying to wind each other up the second the first doctor turns up it's like your dad turns up it's like right yeah oh, it's the first doctor and they both kind of compete to impress him and when he's cocky to them and he banters with them, they don't banter back to him. And yeah. I genuinely don't think that was ever supposed to be the intention of Doctor Who. I don't think that was ever supposed to be how it was. If anything, they probably would have spoken down to him in the sense of, well, even though he looks older, he's technically the youngest Doctor. But I think they did that purely out of respect for William Hartnell. Uh, and they knew he could play strongly to it. And the fact that him telling them what to do meant that they didn't have to cut between the dialogue too much. The first Doctor could just go on a bit of a rant and then it would cut to the third and just go, oh, I see, and then go back to him and, and it would sort of work like that. And I think actually, though, that those scenes kind of set the tone of the first Doctor forever because when he comes back in the fifth, in the fifth, um, in the five Doctors, they've kept that personality. Do you know what I mean? They've kept 
kept um, they've kept him bossy. Again, none of the Doctors speak down to the first Doctor. He just bosses them all about. And I think it's interesting that they've kept that dynamic from the third Doctors in the five Doctors, and to an extent in Twice Upon a Time as well. You know, he doesn't quite dare shout down the first Doctor. The first Doctor feels very comfortable shouting at a future version of himself that's 2,000 years older than him, 2,000 years more wiser and lived a lot more, experienced a lot more and, and things like that. He doesn't have any qualms in talking down to him, which I think is quite interesting. And even in uh, the, the piece you did as well, you, you have the first Doctor, again, as the authority figure. Um, and I think it's very interesting that that has how it's always seen from now on. The first Doctor is... Mm. kind of seen as the as the authority as the main man and even in things like destiny of the doctors the, the video game when uh, anthony ainley's going for all the doctors he's kind of slagging each one off as he goes he gets the first oh, yeah, one and you there's go, the first yeah he goes into a right and really nice somber thing such in, such intelligence such intellect but it's nicely done. It's kind of, for some reason, the first Doctor just gets that extra bit of respect. And I mean, I think probably that's from all the actors. Thing. You know, was it Sylvester McCoy calls him the governor, which I think is really nice. He calls William Hartnell the governor. You know, he started it. He's the man. He did all that. And uh, they all have yeah. that respect for him in that sense. And I suppose as, as well, William Hartnell, we forget, was a massive actor. You know, that was... We, we, mm. These days, there's this misconception that the new series brings in big actors, and the old series didn't. And that's that's a complete lie. The first three Doctors were, were huge, huge actors. You know, um, William Hartnell was in you know Brighton Rock, one of the mo- one of my favourite films of all time, one of the greatest British films of all time, in my in my opinion. He's in there, and um, it is amazing, really. That they do, but but going back to what I said, it's interesting that that the way they wrote the first Doctor in Three Doctors seems to set the precedent for him in every multi-story Doctor going forward. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I'd say that's probably where we draw a line under this conversation this evening. Gentlemen, thanks once again for coming on. That's right, not a problem. Well, very welcome, mine. So, Sam, you got any gigs coming up? I've got a few uh, gigs coming up. People's comedy in. Uh, Bristol on the 4th of December. That gives you plenty of time if you're in Bristol um, to, to pop along. I've got a, uh, a gig there at the People's Comedy Club, which is always really, really good fun. Um, supporting Andrew Lawrence. I think I plugged that last time. I'm going to do it again on the 15th of November in Reading, which should be great fun. And I'm going to be performing uh, three months in a row in Oxford at a venue. I can't remember, but I'm sure we'll do a podcast again soon before those three dates. <laughs> and I'll uh, say, but it's going to be on the um, third Wednesday of the month. I'm, you can see me. It's the first time I've ever been booked to kind of return and do um, gig after gig, nice. which, which is nice. Fantastic, so I'm going to be yeah. doing um, three three months in a row in Oxford, which should be really, really good fun. And I'm hoping to do a bit of a, four of us are planning to do a tour in february up north so we should be doing a few clubs up north uh in february so if you have any listeners up north and you want to come and see me then i'll have the dates for you next time but in february there should be a good solid week of tour it should be fun excellent mm. uh, chris why don't you tell people where they can listen to we sound familiar we, we're on youtube we're on soundcloud you can even see it on spotify in uh, itunes uh, podcasts and also follow us on twitter and facebook um or you can, fo- you can also follow and it's all we sound familiar uh, you can also follow me my twitter handle was chris walker t uh with the capital t at the end and yeah chris walker thompson and everything else chris walker thompson dot com i detect that <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, We'll be back next week with something else.